showed for us. That you came to this earth. That you came and you gave your life. You gave your life for us. So that we might be forgiven and we might be saved. Lord, help us never forget the cross was enough. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. That you paid the price. You paid it all. Lord, just help us to receive what you've done for us. Help us to receive your love, your forgiveness, your salvation. Lord, help us to receive what you've done for us. Knowing that the cross was enough, there's nothing we need to do. But just receive what you have done for us. Lord, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I wanted to share a little bit this morning and think about receiving from the Lord. And I want to use as my basis the scriptures in Psalm 145. Psalm 145, beginning at verse 15, says, The eyes of all wait upon you, O Lord. You give them their meat in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. So it says that all are going to wait on the Lord. And when I thought about that, I thought, well, not everybody waits on the Lord. It says, you know, the eyes of all look to you, O Lord. And I thought, well, that's not really true, but it's the eyes of everybody who believes in who he is. In other words, the all there is everyone who believes, those who believe that the Lord is their provider, that he's the one you look to. You know, everybody looks to something. Everybody, everybody sees their provision from coming from somewhere. Some people look to themselves, that they, they just have to do it all themselves. You know, you have to just work and provide, and it all comes from you. Some people think that it comes from luck. You know, well, you're just lucky. Some people are just lucky. You know, some people just get it, some don't. Some people look to others, other people. Some people look to the government, you know, look to the government for to their supply. You know, obviously that doesn't always work. Um, you know, um, basically it sort of works, you know, with the shutdown. I guess it didn't work, but now it works again. So I, I don't know if that makes you trust them or not. I don't know. You can decide about that. But everybody looks to someone. And this is talking in this scripture about all who look to the Lord. And how do we look to him? Well, it says the eyes of all look to him. We look to him with our eyes. I want to think about two different kinds of eyes for a minute. We have physical eyes, you know, physical eyes, what I can see. And sometimes we look to the Lord and we see what he provides. We see food. We see clothing. We see shelter. And that's okay. I think there's some things that you can physically see that this is what the Lord provides. And I want to also say that there's some things that you look for that you have to see with spiritual eyes. Some things you can only see spiritually. You can't, you can't always see it physically, and especially if you're in a waiting process. You know, sometimes when you pray for something, you may not see it right away. You know, you don't always see it. But by faith, we can see it with spiritual eyes. Well, which is easier? Well, it's a lot easier to see it physically than to see it spiritually. You know, once I can see it, it's like, well, it doesn't take any faith. But if I have to see it with spiritual eyes, 
That takes faith. One time Jesus was praying for a lady, and he said, you know, so that you might believe, I'm going to say to her, be healed, so that you can believe your sins are forgiven. Because he wanted them to see with their physical eyes so that they could see that you also can see with spiritual eyes. Because forgiveness, how do you see forgiveness? How do I see that? Well, I can't, you know. I can't see I'm forgiven. I, I, I don't see anything. I see it spiritually with spiritual eyes. And so we need to see that, you know, there's things in life that we have to see with spiritual eyes. That when we're expecting God to provide, it's not just our physical eyes seeing it, but we have to see spiritually. In Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, I like that scripture because it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Well, what are you going to see? You're going to see hills. Why, why I have to lift up my eyes to the hills? I think it's because we have to look beyond ourselves. I have to look to the hill. I have to look beyond myself because where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. That's a spiritual, that's spiritual eyes. You know, I can see the hills, but that's, that's not my help. You know, my help comes from the Lord. And that's really important because we have to sometimes look beyond ourselves. I mean, if you're going through a hard time, it's real easy to look at yourself, your circumstances. You know, physically, I can see my circumstances a lot of times. I can see what's going on. You know, but I have to see spiritually what God sees and what God says. That's with spiritual eyes. Because if you're not careful, your circumstances will overwhelm you. You can look at what's going on around you and it can overwhelm you sometimes. And if you look at your circumstances, you're not going to find any hope. You know, a lot of times your circumstances are only, only, only going to show you despair and all the problems. Now, does that mean they're not there? No, they're there. Just don't look at them all the time. You know, Mary said, I want to magnify the Lord. I want to make him bigger. I want to magnify the Lord, not my circumstances. If you talk about your circumstances all the time, you're just going to magnify them. You know, physically, you see it, and oh, you, but if you talk about it, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. We need to see it with our spiritual eyes, what's going on around us, and magnify what God's doing. That yes, regardless of what I see with my physical eyes, I believe God's at work. I believe what God says about this situation. I want to magnify him. I put my hope and trust in him. So when we see things, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. We have to, we have to see with spiritual eyes. In Jeremiah 5.21, it says, Hear this, O foolish people, without understanding. They don't understand. They have eyes and they don't see. They have ears and they don't hear. How do you have eyes and can't see? Well, it's because they have eyes. They have eyes, but they can't see what God's doing. They can't see what God has done. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears that they can't hear because they're only doing it with their physical eyes and ears. You got to do it spiritually. We got to see what God says and what God has done. God is doing according to his word. This morning in Sunday school, we were talking a little bit about some of those thoughts about, you know, the Israelites were in captivity for 400 years. 
Well, now after 400 years, you look around, I'm sure the circumstances weren't so good. I'm sure after you've been there 400 years, you think, well, this must be the way it's going to be. But God came and delivered him. So how do you keep believing God in the midst of some people? Some of those generations never did see God deliver them. They never saw it, but still believed it because they did it with their spiritual eyes. They did it with their spiritual eyes. They said, you know, irregardless of what I see, I know what God says. That is so difficult. It even sounds kind of kooky to the world. Because the world says, well, you Christians, you just don't live in reality. That's partially true. Partially true. We live in the world and we see the world, but that's not where we live. We live in a different kingdom and we see with different eyes. We see with spiritual eyes. And so I just encourage you, you know, if you're going through a hard time or you're struggling with something, see it the way God sees it. See it with spiritual eyes. You know, the Bible says faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things I can't see. My circumstances are what I see. Faith is what I can't see. And so we're to walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, that's hard. I, you know, don't, it's hard, but it's what we need to do. Otherwise, you're going to get taken down. And you're going to get taken down further. You're going to lose hope. You're going to quit trusting God because you're going to walk by what you see. And a lot of times, folks, what we see isn't always the best. It's not that it's not there. Now, I'm not saying pretend it's not there. I'm just not pretend it's not there. It's there. But I see with my spiritual eyes, and that's how I walk and where I put my hope and trust. Put my hope and trust in what God says. And believe him. Irregardless if I never see it physically with my eyes. You know, there might be some things you're praying for. You know, one of, one of my things is, you know, you pray for our nation. You know, I want to see our nation with spiritual eyes. I can physically, I can see it with my physical eyes and I get pretty upset I get irritated, you know, I get frustrated. I think, well, no, but it's like, okay, Lord, help me to see it with spiritual eyes. How are we to pray for our nation, irregardless of what we see? It's not that it's not there. I'm not saying that. It's there. But how does God see it? How are we to pray so that we can make a difference? You know, God's people are what's going to make a difference. So we need to see it with spiritual eyes because it's so easy to get caught up in what the world says. I think you should limit the amount of news you listen to. I just, I don't know how much you can handle, but I think you should limit it because if you look at that all the time, it's going to be with your physical eyes and you're going to get really frustrated, maybe give up and want to be like depressed about it. I'm not saying it's not there, but I'm saying magnify the Lord. See it with spiritual eyes. See what God's, what is, what would God want to do? The Bible says where sin does abound, grace doth much more abound. If our nation is going in a direction that is sinful and contrary to God, which I think it is, then in the midst of that, grace would much more abound. How's that going to happen? What's going to be the church? 
It's not coming from anywhere else. It's, you know, there's nowhere else it's coming. The, the rest of it's going downhill fast. So it has to come through us, the church. So grace is going to abound through God's people seeing things with spiritual eyes and seeing opportunities to do the right thing. That's how it's going to change. If the church goes, oh boy, yeah, this is a mess. Or if the church buys into all of it and says, well, what can you do? I guess we might as well go with it. Which I think some churches kind of do. Well, you know, you got to just kind of go with where the world's at now. No, we don't. We're different. And so we need to see things with spiritual eyes. Spiritual eyes. So the eyes of all wait upon you, O Lord. Physically, I wait for you to provide. And with my spiritual eyes, I wait upon the Lord. But wait. Oh, my. Don't we love to wait? Don't we love to wait? Well, you know, we need to wait on the Lord because if we believe he's the one and we trust him, we have to wait on him. If we don't wait on the Lord, here's what starts to happen. Then we start to manipulate things. If you're waiting on the Lord in a situation in your life, if you're not careful and you don't wait on him, you're going to start making it happen. You're going to try to make things happen. And when people try to make things happen, it makes messes. It makes messes. They, they, don't, they don't wait. They want to make it happen. I'm impatient. I want, God, I want it now. I want things to change now. So I'm going to start to do things. And I'm going to work in this situation. I'm going to try to make it happen. I'm going to put pressure on people. That's how I'll get them to do the right thing. I'll put pressure on them. That's manipulation. Don't be putting pressure on people. That's manipulation. You share the truth with people, but you don't put pressure on people. Okay, because that's manipulation. I'll make them do what I think they ought to do. Sometimes when we take things in our own hands, we go down the wrong path. Can't wait. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna. Something. Something's gonna happen. Well, something will happen. But we need to learn to wait. We need to learn to wait. You know, it's hard to wait. It's hard to wait. Wait feels like I'm not doing anything. You know, sometimes we're doers. Some people can wait real easy. You know, it depends. There's a personality thing here that plays into it. Some people can wait on everything. You know, eh, it'll be all right. Eh, you know, and for those of us who are doers, you're like, come on, come on, come on. You know, we can't just sit around and wait. Okay, so there's a personality thing involved here. But, but we need to wait and expect God to do something. That's faith. Wait and trust on him. Trust him. So we wait on the Lord. It takes patience. It takes trust. It takes looking to him. Endurance. And faith and waiting tests your faith. It tests your faith. Am I willing to wait? Am I willing to wait for God to move? You know. And and that doesn't, you know, I guess I need to say that. That doesn't mean we don't do anything, but when we do something, we allow God to show us and help us to do it. So we have to make sure it's him. And so we trust him. We trust him. And it tests our faith. It tests us. Oh, don't we all love tests? You know, kids in school, they don't like tests. Why well, want you to know that adults don't change. We don't like tested either. We don't like tests. You know, I don't like things put in front of me that challenge 
maybe what I might believe or what I'm willing to wait for or where my faith is. That's a test. A lot of times we don't like that. We don't like tests. But we learn, need to learn to be patient and wait upon the Lord. The Bible says those that wait upon the Lord shall have their strength renewed like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wow. I love that scripture. I have to see that with my spiritual eyes because my physical eyes don't quite understand that sometimes. You know, they renew their strength. You know, they run and don't get weary. Man, if I run from here to the end of that building, I'm tired. You know, physically, you know, physical eyes. But I think there's something spiritual about that. I think it's a spiritual thing of keeping doing what God's called you to do. That, you know, we, we do that. And so some of that's with spiritual eyes. And so we wait on the Lord. And then he provides in due season. Oh, in due season. When it's time. God's time. You know, the problem is God doesn't have clock. That's the biggest problem. You know, that's the problem. We got clocks. I got time. Oh, you know, okay, it's about time. When's this going to happen? Tomorrow, I got calendars. I got all kinds of things to tell me time. And God doesn't have one. So, you know, time doesn't mean anything to him. I can't figure that out. Well, it means something to me. You know, I've been waiting so long. I'm tired. How much longer time? And God says, I don't know. What? When was that? God's always on time. He's always on time. It's his time. It's him. He's always on time. And I don't know about you, but for me, God's time is always the last minute in my eyes. Okay? That's just my eyes. You know, when I'm waiting for something, praying about something, it seems like to me it's the last minute. Now, that's just the way it seems to me. But it's always in due season. In due season. And what happens during that waiting time? I think there's some testing goes on. Test us. Are you going to keep believing me even though you can't see it? Are you going to keep believing something because I said so, not because you can see it? Oh, my. Yes, I believe your word. So I'm going to trust your word, not what I see. I'm going to believe you. Waiting processes us. There's a scripture that says, in the process of time. The process of time. There's a couple scriptures. The pro- what's the process? You know, what's the process? Do you like going through processes? Do you like it when you process things? You know? When I think about a processor, I think about a blender. That's my processor, okay? You put things in a blender, you whip it on, and you process it. Isn't that a wonderful thought? In the process of time, that God, he, he, but God puts us in his blender and turns it on and processes us, makes us, develops us, works us, molds us, makes us what he wants us to be. There's a process. And I think a lot of times waiting will do that because you're just sitting there waiting. And you got to make some decisions sometimes. You got to decide, what do I believe? What do I really believe? What am I going to hang on to? And God works things into our character. Just think, what would happen if God, every time I asked for something, he just gave it to me? You know, oh, you know, I need a million dollars, and okay, here, here's a million dollars. I need a new car, well, here's a new car. 
you know, I need a new house. Oh, here, here's a new house. What would happen if every time we prayed, instantly we got it? Without a process. Without any chance to learn. You know, we would learn nothing. We, wouldn't, we don't change. We wouldn't change. Why would you change? Why would you change if you can get everything when you want it? Think about your children. Is it good to give your children everything they want when they ask? No. No. It is not necessary to give your children everything they want when they ask because they will always think that's the way life is. And everybody should give me what I want when I ask for it. Otherwise, I'm going to be ticked. And I'm going to make your life miserable, by the way. You thought screaming in a grocery store was something. Watch this. You know? T teach your children. Don't give them everything they want when they ask. It's not necessary. Not necessary. Matter of fact, it's detrimental. It's detrimental. You are teaching them poor character. Poor character. So don't do it. Don't do it. And so we, we need to learn. We need to grow. We need to process. We need to mature. We need to grow up sometimes, the Bible says, you know. It says you've been carnal Christians too long. You need to mature. We need to grow. We need to learn. And then it says he opens his hand. He opens his hand. God provides. We recognize him. We look to him. We trust him. We wait upon him. And the Bible says, then he opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. What does he do? I'm going to read a few of the things that he does. I don't have the scriptures up here, so I'm just going to read them to you. In Isaiah 66, 2, he says, it says, God says his hand made all creation. He opened his hand and he made creation. He spoke. He made creation. He's our creator. That's why the world wants to say it's evolution. If we can stop God from being the provider, we can stop this whole nonsense. Think about it. That's why the world says it's evolution. Because once, once it's not God, then we can eliminate most anything. I don't know if somebody saw it on Facebook, but it's another thought along these lines, but it's a little more, well, I'll just tell you what it is. And, and you know, I realize that everything you read on Facebook doesn't mean blah, blah, blah. But here's the thought. Somebody said that if Mary would have just aborted her baby, we wouldn't have to worry about abortion. Think about that. Think about that. If Mary would have just aborted Jesus... We wouldn't have to be going through all this because we wouldn't be deciding if it's right or wrong. We'd just all do abortion. What? That's almost blasphemy. I think it is. I don't think it's almost. Wow. Can you get, you know, we get to that point, but once we decide there's no God, if God is not our creator, then there is no God, then we can just say what we want because not, God's not going to do anything. There is no God. Think about it. So, you know, he is the creator. He opened his hand. And he created Psalms 138.8 says the Lord made us. We are the work of his hands. The Lord made us. You are the work of his hands. That's why I refuse to let some people say they're ugly. <laughs> Somebody in this room says they're ugly. So I said, no, you're not. 
Because God made you. He made you with his hands. So you're not ugly. You're made in his image. You're wonderfully created. You're made with his hands. Job 12.10 says, In whose hand is the life in whose hand is the life of every living thing. God provides life. He provides life. In his hand is life to every living thing. That's why we can look at creation and say, wow, look at God. Because he's made every living thing. He gives life. He's the God of life. And he wants to give life, an abundant life. Jesus says, I have come you may have life and have it more abundantly. So he gives life to every living thing. Psalm 31, 15 says, My times are in your hand, O Lord. My times, my times are in his hand. In his hand. First Chronicles 29, 12 says, On God's hand is power and might. In God's hand is power and might. In God's hand is power and might. So why do we fuss? Why do we fuss? We trust him. In his hand is power and might. You know, that's where then the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. You know, so we walk in that. He provides that in his hand. Psalms 98.1 says, His right hand and his holy arm have given us the victory. His right hand is holy. They give us the victory. We walk victorious. Christians need to be walking in victory, not thinking, oh my, you know, quit looking at your circumstances, oh my. I'm not saying they're not there, but walk in victory. He gives us victory. We need to walk in victory. Some of us just changing our thinking. The Bible says he wants to renew our mind. Why? Because we think wrong. We think wrong. We need our thinking changed. Somebody once said it's our stinking thinking. You know, we need to get our thinking changed. He has given us the victory. Exodus 13, 3, Moses reminded the people that by the power of God's hand, they were delivered. By the power of his hand, he delivers us. He delivers us. He delivers us. He delivers us from everything. And so we trust him and we walk in him. Because he wants to satisfy us. Now, he doesn't want to give us everything we need. It's like your children. You, know, he, you satisfy your children. Does that mean you give them everything they want? No. But you satisfy them. There's a difference. You know, sometimes when we think, well, God's going to satisfy me. He's going to give me whatever I want. No. He's going to give you what's good for you. He's going to satisfy you. So with our eyes... We see our physical eyes and our spiritual eyes. Physical eyes are easy. Spiritual eyes take spiritual understanding. We see with our spiritual eyes. We need to see more with our spiritual eyes. We wait upon the Lord. We wait for him. It's his time. It's his time. And he opens his hand at the right time. And he provides for us. He provides for us. You know, if nothing else, if you can get to the point you can do this, the better we do it, the more peace we have. The more peace you have. Why be stirred up? Why be upset? God's in charge. I'm trusting him. I know what his word says. You know, 
Doesn't matter what I see. I trust him. I put my faith in him. Not my circumstances, not what I see. Not that they're not there. That's not where I put my faith. I put my faith in him. And I see with my spiritual eyes what he says in his word. What does he say about this situation? The Bible says he wishes that none would perish. That's, his, that's what I see. I see that he desires that none perish. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He doesn't want anybody to perish. The world says he's a terrible, angry God that just wants to send people to hell. That's nowhere in Scripture it says that. Nowhere. It says man has sinned and Jesus was sent because God loved us so much that he wanted to save us from that. He didn't want to send us to hell. He sent his son to save us. But we reject the son. And then we say, well, God's being because he just sends everybody to hell. No, it's, 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 it's twisting the whole message. Twisting the whole message. God saw how we are. And in the midst of that, he says, I love them. I'm going to send my son to die and pay the price for their sin so that they can go to heaven. I don't want anybody to perish. I don't want anybody to perish. That's the message. And I just want you to know, I, I shared this in Sunday school. This is not the message. When I go to funerals and somebody says, well, they're so glad they made it to heaven. Now they can all play cards and drink with their buddies up there. You are not going to heaven to drink and play cards. You know, that's not what we do up there. You know, we get saved and redeemed by his blood so that we can go to heaven. We can go to heaven. And, you know, one of the things, and I'll just share this as a side note, but, you know, you never know. We don't know. We don't, we're not the judge, and we think we're the judge. We're not the judge. We don't know whatever happens. Somebody just recently passed away, and they led a pretty ungodly life. You know, by world by standards, you know, scriptural standards, by scriptural standards. And they pretty much probably would have confessed that eh, there's no way they could go to heaven because they were that bad. But I know that somebody in their last moments prayed with that person. Now, I don't know what happened in that person's heart. That's not my business. It's not my business, but I know somebody prayed with them. So here's what I'm saying. You can't decide where somebody's going. You can't decide if they're going to heaven. You can't decide if they're going to hell. It's not your job. It's not your job. I always say it's way above my pay grade. You know, it's just, it's not our job. Our job is to share the truth and share the gospel so that people can hear and they can receive and so, as Christians, you know, we want to receive from the Lord. But we want to receive all that he has for us. All that he has. And he wants the best for us. He wants the best. He wants what's good for us. Sometimes what's good for us doesn't seem good. Sometimes I, no, I don't think that's good. But, you know, he knows what's good. So we trust him. We wait upon him. We look to him for all that he has for us. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the love you have for us. And Lord, I pray you just help us to
to see to see with spiritual eyes. Lord, if we could see what you see, that's because we see according to your word what you've already said. So Lord, help us to see what you want to do. Help us to wait upon you, to trust you, to know that you're at work, to have hope in you. Lord, there's no hope in ourselves and no hope in our circumstances. So Lord, help us to put our hope and trust in you. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I just pray if there's anyone here this morning that would like prayer. Lord, if there's anything that they would like to get prayer for, someone to agree with them, that you'd encourage them to come up and let the prayer team pray for them up front this morning. Lord, that they would just allow faith to be prayed over them so that they could receive from you. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for being with us. Just watch over us. Keep everyone safe as we go home. Lord, just uh, help us to be faithful to you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.